0: Welcome back to The Big Program just after 10 o'clock in Edmonton. Looking for a gorgeous weekend and uh, time now to welcome in our next guest on The Big Program, Kyle Chipchura, a former first-round draft pick of the Montreal Canadiens back in 2004 and a former teammate of our co-host here on Wednesdays, David Schlemko. Good morning, Chipper. How's it going? Good, good. I, uh, when I found out Schlemmer was... <laughs> You want to be on the show was wait for my call so it's good to finally get it well you know what we went down the list and that's what Schlemmer told me he went down 10 12 guys and then finally he got to you yeah i asked yeah. you week one buddy <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm just joking yeah thanks for having me guys yeah
0: so you guys played several years together and with the coyotes
1: yeah yeah we played
0: uh what do we have close to four and
1: then uh trained together in the summertime so yeah we know each other uh really well
2: yeah, used to uh, used to drive together the games and uh, in Phoenix a little bit. Our wives would drive together, so lots yeah. of
0: time spent with Chippy. Oh man, uh, those were those would have been some some cool drives. What happened on those drives, Kyle? Um, when uh, I don't know if we can is this rated a uh, PG? <laughs> it, uh,
1: well, no? as best you can. <laughs> <laughs> no no clever's uh yeah he was a really good teammate yeah good, uh, good friend of mine so a lot, lot of fun a lot of good off days too in uh, in the sunshine and the pools of phoenix and it was uh Seems like
0: a long time ago, but mm-hmm. it was good uh, you know, memory days. Sure. So, well, hopefully you were driving because I've seen Schlemmer drive. He's never been in an accident, but he's caused a lot of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he had his uh, BMW M5 back Ooh, then. But, yeah. Uh,
2: oh yeah, those were the days. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, you was. He we was both back. had Beamers back then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, time, there. that time in Phoenix. I mean, the Coyotes. What kind of teams did you guys have? Just kind of talk about th- those several years when you were playing together. And I mean, playing in the desert's a, a little different component compared to playing in other centers in the NHL. But just kind of discuss that. Uh, Kyle, you can go first, and then uh, Schlemmer, you can kind of pony off that that angle. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, my my first year there, um, yeah, I think it would have been Schlemmer's third year there. He. We went to playoffs two years before. Then our first year, we went to conference final, and we're always kind of viewed as a bit of an underdog because we didn't have the kind of like star power other teams had. But I thought we had good depth, hard-working forwards, and our our back end can really move pucks. And I think that's what kind of separated us. when maybe, you know, maybe the fan bases kind of took a little lightly was how good a puck movers we had back there, and then Smitty was he was top-notch in net for us. So I think we, up to a lot of people, we overachieved and which we probably did, but I think we were, we were a lot better than maybe, um, you know, other fan bases gave us credit for. And um, I think as we kind of went forward, some of our D kind of got a little bit older. And then mm-hmm. I think we kind of got young, young back there real quick. And we didn't have the kind of forward that could really carry the rebuild of the young D and, and that's kind of what kind of
2: set the uh, rebuild in in the desert. And they're still rebuilding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're all right this year though. Yeah, no, they're all right this year. Yeah, I agree, Chip. I think uh, I think Tip was a really good coach for us. Um, the system we played under him was perfect for kind of what we had. But you know, it, it was funny we had we had no ownership. I think half the people in the desert didn't even know they had a hockey team. So there there wasn't a whole lot of pressure but uh we we had a couple pretty good teams with uh with what we had there
0: so, yeah, for sure. Uh, Kyle Chipchera, Dave Schlempko with us on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. You were drafted 18th overall, Kyle, by the Montreal Canadiens back in 2004. The draft was in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. What do you recall about that day when uh, the Montreal Canadiens belted out uh, a young kid's name from Vimy and I guess the pride of Westlock as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole
1: kind of weekend was a bit of a blur it um you're still meeting with a bunch of teams. It's kinda it's the stress of it all. And um, yeah, I mean I was kinda slated anywhere from like pretty much twelfth to fiftieth. So I knew I can kinda go anywhere in between there and I but I had really good meetings with Calgary which paid or picked nineteenth. And um so the eighteenth the one one pick right before Calgary was was a big surprise. So I didn't really see that, that coming and and then you kind of jumped right into, uh, I guess, the, the fishbowl hut or the market that's uh, Montreal.
2: Yeah, that's quite the market, I tell you. You guys
0: both played there, so for you too, Dave, I mean, to play in Montreal, I mean, it's it's a religion there.
2: It's pretty much the polar opposite of playing in Phoenix. Yeah. Not that much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I played there as an older guy, which I think was maybe... A little, a little bit easier. I, I, can't, I got to imagine being a first-round pick, uh, being a Canadian kid, going there at eighteen's got to be a little bit tougher than my situation was.
1: Um, yeah, like I, I talked about this the other day. Like it's all Canadian markets. They're they're obviously really passionate, but it seems like Montreal. It's almost like the team's a, a, a part of them. Like it, it feels like. So if things aren't going good. I mean, the fans kind of they wear it and they kind of feel it and i just felt like yeah i mean obviously i didn't live up to my my billing there and it was yeah you definitely feel the pressure and i mean a lot of I i felt like my last kind of season there i just kind of didn't want to mess up and yeah it's uh yeah it's tough kind of it's tough but i mean if you had success there and you had good teams there i mean it
0: would be uh i mean it'd be hard to
1: beat that that's for sure
0: Kyle Chipchura with us on Sports 1440. Karius Schlempko, it's 10.07 in Edmonton. Text coming in to one 1440 This one comes from Stu. Uh, it says, I saw Chipchura's fight against Brian Reeves on a compilation video yesterday. It was a tough fight. What was the toughest fight of his career or toughest player to play against? Kyle. Uh, Toughest
1: fight, well, I mean... I got beat up. A, uh, I got beat up a quite a few times. All these guys. He, <laughs> he caught me. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember one thing. The uh, Jardins. I didn't know he was a lefty. He kind of <laughs> caught me for a quick little drop. And I mean, obviously, raises real strong. Cecido is really strong. Um, yeah. Those. I mean, yeah. It's a lot of the fights that I had. They were kind of he's in the moment, kind of mm-hmm. not as staged. So. Um, then a whole lot of thinking goes in before them, mm-hmm. but as far as hard to play against. I guess I mean, right before I got to Phoenix, I always remembered playing against in part when you're just talking about rough, hard to play against. remember the Jovanosky Vdimir pair mm-hmm. um there I felt like they they still played the old rules when the new rules' already in <laughs> yeah. and the trick never two strong guys and two uh I remember that d pair was uh was was a nasty uh nasty tandem for sure
2: yeah, you fought a lot, you fought out of your weight class quite a bit too though hey, you're pretty tough pound for pound um I guess i maybe out of my weight class, I
1: wouldn't say I won a whole lot out of my weight class though,
0: but <laughs> that's <laughs> how it goes. You know. man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. How did you incorporate that part of your game into the, you know, the total package, Kyle? Uh, did that come from when you were playing junior in Prince Albert? Dave Manson was your coach there, by the way, for our listeners. Uh, where did it come yeah. from?
1: Uh, well, I was always uh, kind of a really competitive, like pretty uh, high-tempered kid, I guess you can say. Um, <laughs> I always played with that kind of competitiveness, and that's, I always kind of had that in junior. I had it in the AHL. And then I felt like when I was in Montreal, I didn't really have that as much where I was, like I said, it was kind of maybe trying not to make as many mistakes. And then I remember getting to Anaheim and, uh, Randy Carlisle having a little talk of being like, you know, like we've been told all along from all the stone reports, but how you, you know, how hard you play and that. And like, we haven't kind of seen that at a, at the NHL at the NHL level. Like bring that grit, bring that edge that you're kinda of known for and from at all the other levels that you had. And then I mean that was kind of a little bit of a like a moment where I'm like, Yeah, you're right, I don't know why I have to feel like I just can't go out there and play how I played at the other levels where yeah, maybe you're not getting as many as much ice time or the offensive looks, but it's still like that's a part of my game that kinda of got me attention and got me
2: staying in the league
1: and chances so <laughs> i was like i don't know why i yeah I, mean, I have to do it here too so and then when you kind of play with that when you kind know, when you kind of play with that competitiveness it usually leads to kind of you know heat of the battle kind of fight so and that's all i thought most of them were
2: yeah yeah i agree but you're always willing to stick up for your teammates uh <laughs> just want to go back a little bit maybe before pro um you were the captain of the team canada for the world juniors uh you want to just speak about that experience a little bit and how it was
1: yeah yeah same same type of thing where it it goes by so fast that you wish you could have you know soaked it in a little bit more Mm -hmm. yeah but playing in canada playing in vancouver um i mean the hockey canada really kind of sheltered us we were kind of Stay in our hotel rooms, kind of stick around the hotels. We weren't kind of all about in the town. It was a really kind of focus. Um, I mean, you got really close with the group because you just kind of had each other for that pretty much month time. Right. And then, I kind of each game is just we had a we had a team. The same idea as kind of our good years in Arizona, where we didn't have the star power of, especially the year the team the year before it. But
3: yeah, we had a,
1: a group that was willing to you know play for each other and play play any role in any type of uh, game that they were asked to do and um, everybody kind of bought in. We had got good goaltending. Mm-hmm. We had we Canada always has the depth and we uh, kind of got rolling and really we didn't really have to face too much adversity. We just kind of went about our business and,
0: and got it done. So those, I don't think he allowed a goal in the semifinal or the final. Is that correct in that in that tournament? Um, yeah, so we uh
1: yeah, we played Finland in the semis and then uh, the Russia in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we I think, I don't know like, if it, it wasn't the record. It was a one-off of allowing the least amount of wow. goals. And we had a really good plus-minus uh, in the tournament. Um, obviously, the year before was was a better team and they were dominant. But, mm-hmm. I mean, our, our numbers were pretty similar. But, um, yeah, we kind of got rolling early in that tournament and, uh yeah, didn't look
0: back. Well, I mean, phenomenal tournament. Uh, there's no question about that. Kyle Chipchur is with uh, Kevin Carius and David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Kyle, what you're doing now, you're working with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Can you tell our listeners what your role is with that hockey club?
1: Yeah, so my uh, title is a uh, development coach where I um, yeah, just kind of try to key in on more of the individual side of it, uh, maybe – allow the head or allow the coaches to have to kinda of bounce some ideas off me or if I do see anything they're they're really good of um giving me a voice and letting uh let me get my saying but it's more of a um, kind of a focus on, on the forward group and it's 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 nothing too complicated. A lot of it is just kind of the fundamentals of whether it's, you know, um puck placing of puck protection with the puck or kind of being able to Um, Taking some cues and playing at the next play um, or little stuff like that, whether it's scanning, it's all the kind of little details where maybe professionally you kind of really have those ingrained in those habits, and then with the young guys with a lot going on and still kind of learning the game and learning um, the consistency of the day-to-day of being a good junior player, it's kind of just helping with that process.
2: So are you on the ice kind of daily with the boys, or is it more of like a video thing?
1: Um, no, I'm on the ice for every every home practice mm-hmm. and every home game. I'm on the bench. Um, I just nice. I don't go on the road with the team. So and
0: okay. the team in a little bit of a funk right now, Kyle. Uh, what's been going on, and how do you get out of it? Um, yeah, you know what, our, our our record might not say so, but we've
1: we've we've been in every game, and we've been mm-hmm. we've been close, and um, it just uh, I mean. The most obvious is our our special teams hasn't won us games uh, where maybe in some games it has been a difference where we where we lost it and really I think it's just it's getting that belief I think with a little of just keep doing things the right way mm-hmm. keep kind of being the team that gets more scoring chances being the team that controls the game more that it's eventually going to turn and I think. As we get that belief, and then we get a couple wins under our belt, and we can make, we can right the ship and get going in the right direction. Just um, whether it's been I mean, not to make excuses, but yeah. we we've, we've been banged up this year. Like the last yeah. two weeks, we've had three of our key defensemen out. At points of the season, we had five of our top eight, nine forwards out. So getting everybody back, and then getting everybody into the you know pulling the same direction, and just kind of try to build that confidence and Get things going in the
0: right way. So, oil kings in Regina tonight, and then continue on uh, to Brandon and Moose Jaw this weekend. Uh, one last one for you, Kyle. Is there a chance that you can bring that, I guess, toughness, aggressiveness, um, maybe a little bit of feistiness, dirtiness at Alumni Skates to Matt Tisone? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you have to shut them down somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He, um, I don't know if you were at the last one, but I didn't go on, but I went to watch, and his face was pretty red for that game. Oh, case, so, oh uh, I know. The
2: furnace face yeah. going.
1: Yeah, his years, his ears might be catching up to him now. So,
0: we'll, yeah. uh, something else is catching up to him as well in the LBs <laughs> department. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for this, Kyle. Appreciate your time. Uh, good luck with the Oil Kings this year, and hopefully, the guys can uh, turn things around here quickly on this road trip. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Chip. That's Kyle Chip Chipchimer, former NHLer, former teammate of David Schlemko's. Uh, played uh, in the NHL for uh, several teams, including Arizona and Anaheim and uh, Montreal Canadiens. Boy, we never even got to his time in Anaheim, Duke. I thought you'd jump in for the with a question there to talk about the Ducks. Too bad.
3: No, I. I... I am always curious to hear about interactions with the guys, especially any Randy Carlisle stories <laughs> he mentioned them briefly there. I think uh, a lot of listeners would be curious too. We'll have to get Chip on another time and yeah. dive yeah. into some of that stuff. But uh, a great, uh, great local guy. And like you said, the pride of, pride of Westlock. Yeah. Well, what a community.
2: We'll have to get him on again. So we didn't talk about his time in Russia no. or China either. Uh, yes. He played in China for a year.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> So, Oilers in action tonight against Seattle. Connor Brown not ready to go. Uh, Chris Knobloch just addressed the media. Connor Brown still out. Adam Ernie will play. Uh, Dylan Holloway, according to Knobloch, is week-to-week with a lower body injury. And Stuart Skinner will, as expected, start in goal tonight against Seattle. And when we come back, we will get the Seattle side of the story with Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times. It's a Kevin Carrier Show with co-host David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, man. We're really getting into it now, aren't we, Duke? Killing the game. Back time now for the puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions do apply. As we welcome in uh, Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times, Jeff, you're with Kevin Carius and uh, former NHLer David Schlempko. Welcome back to Sports 1440.
4: Thanks. Good to be on. Good to be back in Edmonton.
0: Yeah, I talked to you the last time that Seattle was here. I guess it was at the end of the exhibition season. We talked in the uh, press box uh, during that game. And the last game that the Oilers were in Seattle, you know, we all know the storyline for the Oilers. But, you know, in the big picture, Seattle had a poor, poor game that that game. Uh, it was a 4-1 victory for the Oilers. So what was the decision? In, or 3-1, was it? Sorry. Four one, sorry, my my mistake. What what's the thought process going on with the Kraken right now? How is this team looking going into a game like tonight?
4: Well, it's not looking very good. It's it's looking a little desperate, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's kind of the same situation as Edmonton, minus, you know, about eighty five degrees of pressure. Being put up by the home fans, uh yeah, you know, there, there there's no comparison of the two markets, but Honestly, uh, you know, I'd say the Kraken are a little more dire situation. You know, they don't have uh, they don't have McDavid and Drysidle to ignite the offense. Uh, the the offense has been very uh, inconsistent, like dramatically inconsistent mm-hmm. this season. You know, they'll put up 38 shots one night and then uh, 18 the next. And uh, lately, it's more towards the 18, 19 shot count, and that's that's got them a little worried. Um, you know, they just lost a couple of home games in a row, four to one and five to one. Yeah. Granted, they're playing good teams, but you know what? This was a good team last season, and it was supposed to be good this season. wasn't supposed to win a Stanley Cup, uh, you know, like the Oilers were predicted to by a lot of people, uh, including <laughs> myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, five wins in your first 13, uh, sixteen games that's not that's not going to get it done. You have one goal out of Matty Veneers, um, zero goals out of Alex Wenberg, uh, one goal out of Jordan Everly. There's a lot of people starting to get concerned.
2: Hey, Jeff, Dave Schlemko here. Um, So, tough start, like you said, for the Kraken as well. So, what exactly needs to improve? Is it just the offense? Is it special teams? Um, What are are they talking about in the room right now?
4: I think it should be, uh, honestly, um, and, and, you know, I don't like to say this too often, I think toughness, Hmm. uh, intensity level. You know, it's easy for a a middle-aged guy like me to say that to a bunch of 20-year-olds on the ice. But, I mean, I think you talk (laughs) to people around the team. They'll, 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 they'll tell you that. Um, you know, this isn't a team that. Uh, th- this is a team that's allowed itself to be pushed around at times this season. Uh, it's a team that goes into games and sometimes their heads really into it. Like it was against Colorado the other night, they completely outplayed the Avalanche in the first period. Then they they got eight shots on goal the rest of the game. Um, and and you, you have to wonder sometimes where the mindset's at with the team. Uh, it needs a little more aggressiveness. Uh, Brandon Tanev just came back last game. That that's going to add a little bit of a jolt. To, to their to their offense, but really, this was a team that was carried by their fourth line a lot last season, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was a, I think it's the top scoring fourth line in all of hockey, and they let a lot of goals go when they allowed uh, Daniel Sprong, Morgan G P, and Ryan Donato to leave the team. Mm-hmm. Then you lose Brandon Tanna for, for a month plus um, to an injury on opening night, and he scored sixteen goals last season. He just came back; he was a fourth line guy a lot of last season. Mm-hmm. So, so they're really missing that, and they just have not had the uh, equivalent production on their top three lines to match that. So they're really running a, a goal deficit at this point. Um, and, and the way they're going to get it, they they don't have McDavid, they don't have Dreisaitl. I mean, they 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 have a bunch of guys that really have to work hard, grind, forecheck. Uh, go after loose pucks at the net front, they're just not doing that. They're they're not being as aggressive as they need to
0: be. Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times, our guest on Sports 1440, Karius Schlemko. Uh, Jeff, what's the status of former oiler Jordan Eberle?
4: Uh, he's got a, uh, I mean, he, he had a deep leg cut that he suffered, uh, uh, how many days ago is it now, six days ago, yeah. in Denver. I'm just looking to see if he's out on the ice. I'm, I'm here at the, uh, yep. the morning skate this morning. Uh, I don't see him right now. I mean, he's still day to day. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they let Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton go back to the AHL and they only called up one guy, Andrew Podorowski. Uh, they've had a couple of guys hurt. I think Belmar was ready to go. So, I mean, that tells me that, you know, they're, they're probably doubtful that, uh, one of those two guys is going to be able to play. I I see Belmar out on the ice right now. I don't see Everly at this moment. So, uh, they're, they're all still coming out but yeah he's day to day so he might play he might not they're, they're just trying to get yeah. it uh, it was a pretty deep cut from what I heard so they're trying to get it back to normal
2: Jeff could you give us some insight on the Shane Wright situation I mean here's a kid who had a lot of hype coming out of the draft and is possibly even going to go first overall um, are they just being really patient with him or is there a little bit of kind of disappointment where he's at in his development
4: yeah, I mean, the big problem with, with with Shane is that he um he he didn't play any pro hockey last season uh, during the regular season anyway. he got in a few games on that injury rehab uh, assignment, which which is a bit of a loophole in in the junior in the junior hockey transfer agreement. So he was able to do that. and then he you know he was kind of shipped around various major junior teams, played a little you know eight NHL games. so he really didn't have the full pro experience indoctrination that that a lot of other guys have. And so they got the exemption this year. I think they want to see him play at least a couple of months uh, down in the AHL, just get more acclimated to the professional level, yeah. which you know, as you know, is very different from major junior hockey. And um, you know, he put on a, he put on some good size this off season. Uh, he was training with uh, with Gary Roberts down in Toronto, and um, you know, really you could see the muscle that he put on. Uh, he, he got bigger even last season. He was in the AHL playoffs because his junior team got eliminated he was able to join Coachella Valley for the playoffs. He, he he told me, I mean, physically, that really helped him. He learned how to play more physically and, and adapt to getting run at, adapt to getting hit, uh, learn how to handle the puck a little bit more without giving it up right away. And that's really what they want to see out of him. Uh, and and uh, they called him up, obviously, for a couple of games uh, because of the injuries just now. But I think that was a little earlier than they wanted to do it. He's off to a pretty good start, though, scoring-wise, down in Coachella Valley. And I think... Um, you know they just want to see that progression just just one more thought on that i mean he was up here in uh, the last two games he played he didn't have a shot on goal mm-hmm. so i mean you know there, there's, there's there's some 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 areas of his game that he really needs to work on and i think this year he's finally going to get the the professional experience that he needed last season i think that's what slowed up his development for now
0: yeah he, he really needs to find his confidence uh, there's no question there as we speak with uh, jeff baker from the seattle times kevin carries david schlemko on sports 1440 We saw Kyler Yamamoto here for several years, Jeff. What have you seen Kyler Yamamoto add to this Kraken lineup in the early going here so far?
4: Well, we we mentioned getting to the net front, and that's one thing he's actually been able to do pretty successfully. Um, I kind of joked with him about it because, as you know, he's a pretty small Uh dude. But he somehow manages to thread his way through there without getting killed. And, uh, you know, he's actually had some success on the power play with this team. Uh, He's had some success. Other times, uh, getting in front of the net. But other games, he's been invisible. I'll be honest with you. A couple of games, he's been invisible. And, you know, I think he has to develop more consistency in his game. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I'm not his coach or anything, but I I, I think that part is obvious. That some games you notice him, some games you don't. And and I was telling somebody the other day, look, I could see why Edmonton uh, kind of gave up on him. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a money crunch, obviously, but they might have thought he'd hit his ceiling, and I, I think he still has to show them that he hasn't hit his ceiling, that he can be a productive player here if he wants to come back uh, next season. I mean, he's only on a one-year deal, right? So uh, I think he's finding his way, but he's going to have to find it more consistently. You know what? Everly, uh, by the way, just uh, came out on the ice, so he's out skating right now. Cool. Great. So, we'll, yeah. see, we'll see yeah. what the plan is.
2: Yeah, well, you're always going to get that compete out of him anyways. That's what I like about him. Um, what about Matty Veneers? Uh, is the sophomore slump a real thing, or is he snapping out of it?
4: Yeah, no, I think there's a bit of a slump going on. You know, at the beginning of the season, he he had a lot of hard luck. He was setting himself up to be in position to score. Uh, there was a game in Florida that I was at where he, you know he hit the post, had, the, had uh, Bob Rossi beat cleanly from 20 feet out, and it just rang it right off the post. So uh, then he went, he ended up going, it was what, 14 games without scoring, 13 games, and he's got one goal now in 16. So uh, th- there's been some games lately where, you know, he looks like he's slumping a bit. He's he's not getting himself to position like he was before. Uh, there, there's the past week, I would say, there's been games he's just looked invisible. And uh Again, you know, they, they that's part of the growing process, obviously. I mean, he had a good rookie season, but I think everybody sees him coming now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been getting manhandled physically at times on the ice. Uh, there's guys that take real runs at him, and nobody responds. And so that's, that's been a bit of a problem with this mm-hmm. team. It's been a bit of an issue with the team. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned off the top, I mean, they, they really do have to get a little bit better at, at protecting some of, their, uh, some of their better players. Jared and another one, but Matty Beniers, especially at 178 pounds, you know, he's a guy that can get whacked around quite a bit, and he got, he got blindsided last year by uh, Tyler Myers in, in a game in Vancouver, and he was out for a month with a concussion, um, and honestly, he hasn't been quite the same player since. So, um, you know, again, it's part of the learning process, but uh, there, there's guys that know he's coming now, so they, they, he's got, definitely got a bit of a target on his
0: back. So, Jeff, where's this team toughness come from? I mean, on the back end, I mean, maybe you have Alexiak and you got Borgen, but up front, not a lot of guys that are going to, you know, really get into those situations. So so is it a collective team effort? Do they have to make an adjustment? Is there someone down in Coachella Valley that could fit that role too?
4: Yeah, I mean, they have John Hayden down in Coachella Valley who obviously can fight at the NHL level and, and play a hard no style. He can do more than just fight which they, they they want that obviously they don't want somebody who's just a fighter and uh but the problem is i mean they, they're really keeping an eye on their salary cap they're pressing up against it and they want to keep some room in case they have to call somebody up you know in an emergency or, or bring another player in to help jumpstart start the offense so they have they, they've kind of resisted bringing hayden up for now so among the other guys you mentioned yeah the designated fighter is usually alexiak because of his size but he he doesn't he hasn't fought as much this season and I'm not going to tell him to go out and fight because uh, you know a lot of players want to protect themselves. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to fight Curtis McDermott either. So, yeah. it's, I mean, but yeah, that's that's one guy they look at. Will Borgan is probably probably the best fighter on the team. Yeah. Uh, when you watch him, it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty fun sight to watch sometimes. Is uh, it
2: is it all about the fighting though, or is it more like a team toughness issue? Or no, just I think you're right. Playing, yeah, not playing be, hard you know,
4: enough. It, it, Exactly. I mean it's about both. It's about having the awareness that if your guy gets run, you don't just skate away pretending nothing happened. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, getting in there and protecting your team. You don't go in at somebody. Um doesn't necessarily have to result in a fight, but I think there's times when they're just not aware enough of the situation. Right. Um, you see some teams who you even look at the goalie wrong, everybody's, you know, breathing all over you. Whereas here, uh, with these guys sometimes they just skate away from the action and pretend they didn't see it and uh, you know, we've noticed that quite a bit uh, with this. I mean, it, it's been glaringly obvious mm-hmm. at times. And so Brandon Tannis, another guy that that does that, He he's not afraid to get in there and throw his body around and respond to situations. Um, I wouldn't call him a fighter, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, this team doesn't really have fighters, but they have guys that have toughness. And uh, I think some of them just have to exude a little bit more of it.
0: Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Jeff, our Tuesday co-host is Grant Fuhrer, who you know is the color analyst in Coachella Valley. All year, he's just been raving about Joey Decord, how Decord played last year with the Firebirds. And what have you seen from uh, Joey Decord uh, from the Kraken this season?
4: He's shown flashes that he's ready to take over the number one job at times. Um, but there's a lot more than just showing flashes, right? To so a number one job. You gotta be able to go out and do it day after day after day. And you know, the the Joey made some, some outstanding saves against Colorado the other night in the mm-hmm. five for one loss. I mean, it was one nothing at the time and he just he was standing on his head and, and keeping it a one nothing game until like late in the second period. And then kind of the wheels fell off a little bit and there were five goals pumped behind him. I mean we the one the one flaw I've seen with Joey Decor just at the NHL level from the few games I've been able to watch him play he does tend to give up a lot of late goals whether it's teams up by a lot or whether it's a tight game he gives up a lot of goals late and I think that's something that's maybe giving the team a little bit of pause with him but, but certainly he's, he's, he's athletic, he's engaged he brings another dimension with his ability to handle the puck and, mm-hmm. and feed it quickly up the ice Uh, sometimes he gets caught out of position though the game in Florida he he went to play a a puck off the stanchion and went by him and and the guy scored a game winning goal with with nobody within 80 feet of the net so you know at times he's got to be a little careful he can be a little overaggressive with the puck but uh, he certainly brings that dimension and to be honest with you Philip Grubauer hasn't hasn't done anything to replicate what he showed in the playoffs last season Um, he's he's back to uh you know playing just well enough to lose i guess you could say a, a lot of games and <laughs> yeah. he hasn't won very many
1: that's
0: so. what grant fierce that's is the uh i mean like decord loves playing the puck are, are they gonna who are they gonna start tonight do you know
4: uh we were actually just looking at that right now I was, <laughs> we were just debating that right here because mm-hmm. i mean frankly if it was me i would go with the i thought he played well enough i think the coach uh, at Big really uh, his praises after the game, so I would expect to see him, But but and especially when Grubauer gave up the court yeah. in the first period the other night, I mean, I, I would think, uh, I, I would expect to see the court, but you never know with these two. It really is a, a tandem right now.
0: Well, Jeff, appreciate your time. Continue on with the uh, morning skate, you know, and I'm sure you got a few interviews to do after. We'll see you down at the rink tonight. Thanks for this. Sounds good. See you later. That's Jeff Baker, Seattle Times, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. You can head to FountainTire.com, ask about the Seasonal tire storage once you get your winter tires put on. Oilers take on the Seattle Kraken tonight. Again, kind of a weirder start time at 6.30 puck drop. Uh, You know, it's funny, going to the game on Monday at that time because of the earlier half an hour, you know, normally from a 7 o'clock weekday game, I thought, oh, oh, this is going to be a really bad crowd because he didn't see. You know, people were late getting to the game. Right, they were late getting to the game because of the six thirty start. So, Why, what is the reason behind the well, six thirty? It starts? has to be something to do with American television for sure. Maybe, yeah. Duke, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I they I not no I, I just know uh, Jason Greger. I mean, he had to mm-hmm. dip out from uh, from the show in the last break. Connor Halley uh, with his hands on the wheel for the last fifty minutes of the Greger show uh, the other night. So it's if- uh, it, it's Peculiar for yeah. sure.
0: If anything, you would think it would be seven thirty because it would take so long for the crews to dismantle everything from the Jonas Brothers concert. <laughs> That's what I would think, Duke.
3: Man, yeah. haven't you seen those time lapse videos of them uh, switching no. rinks around? No. Whether whether it be swapping no. um like yeah. ice out for the hardwood and basketball? Oh, like I've it's seen skulls- that. No, no, well, I, I just
0: figured it's the same idea. I just figured because the Jonas Brothers was such, such <laughs> you know like an extravagant uh, performance. If, Set up. If, no. They if can that,
2: do that so fast. Like, I know they can. I'm juicing, juicing Duke. If it had you been just, on a, you secretly love the Jonas. No, I don't. I think Kevin's uh, <laughs> going to be
3: converted here pretty quick. But man, if that concert had been on a Friday night instead of a <laughs> Tuesday night, what? they would have been peeling me off the floor just like the, <laughs> the hardwood uh, to put the ice back, and they would have had to paint the lines over me.
0: <laughs> oh, Duke. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, wrap things up on the uh, Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko. Stay with us. More to come on Sports 1440. Yeah, this one I know, Duke. I Brooks and Dunn, baby. This is, is your era. Oh, era. Genre. <laughs> I used
3: to B&D's like. these timeless. They don't have oh. an era.
0: Man, in Calgary, back in the day, this was 2 step in extravaganza right here. Are you got good two-stepper? I <laughs> used to give lessons at the ranchman. No, you didn't. Oh,
2: yes. You want to <laughs> bet? Come on, baby. I, I can see you give line dancing lessons, no, no,
0: maybe. No, no. Two-step lessons. Oh, wow. my goodness. They, I must do have, little, they
3: must have been pretty hard I, up for help. No,
0: I do a little kind of uh, a little twist on it. Kinda, I kind of add in the Canadian merengue. Oh, Kevin flavor. Yes. Uh, Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko every Wednesday, 9 to 11. Of course, Schlemko, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com. Uh, uh, text coming in to one 401 1440 Hey, if you want to come on the air for a quick call, we've got time till about another 10 minutes or so. one 401 1440 AZ texts in. SOS, Kevin's burning up for some Waffle House. Closeted... <laughs> Joe Bros fans. What's that mean, Duke?
3: There's three Jonas Brothers song titles put into that sentence. S.O.S., Burning Up, and Waffle House.
0: Never heard of one of them. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and those are like from
3: three different, uh, I don't know, know—airs. I guess two of them are a little older, but Waffle House, one of their newest ones. Waffle House. It's a banger, Kev. I'll play it for you once we get well, out of here.
0: one of these days. Well, can't we have it as the in- intro extra music?
3: Or? We, I played four at least one every hour yesterday as an intro break intro where Jonas Brothers songs and you, <laughs> you didn't never even noticed. Notice. Oh, really?
0: No sniff. Uh, Brad sends in a text and the Duke did respond. Question about the hockey hall of fame. How did Vernon get in? But Moog isn't. <laughs> Moog has one more cup. They both played very close to the same amount of seasons and games. Their win percentage goals against and save percentage are identical and the duke responded by saying vernon's con Smythe is likely a tipping factor very good uh, point on that duke. duke very very close i mean
3: and like look how long did vernon have to wait to get in years, right yes. so it's it's sometimes these guys that are on that Line of are they in or not? They have to wait for what's kind of it, it's it's bad saying this because mm-hmm. any time you're getting the Hall of Fame, it's not weak, but a weaker class of candidates. Some of these guys that have been waiting in the wings get the chance to get in, and that's uh, what happened to Vernon this year, finally getting the recognition he certainly deserves.
0: You know. Yep. There are so many guys. The, the argument for the Hall of Fame is a great discussion. You can go on and on. Guys that are in that maybe you think, well, mm, maybe they got in too soon, whatever. Guys that are out, then you go, why isn't this guy in the Hockey Hall of Fame? One of the biggest ones, I think, is Theron Flurry. And there's such an argument for Flurry in or out. I mean, that you could do an in or you're out Duke about 80 questions with Theron Flurry.
2: Maybe you should get off Twitter.
0: Wait, wait, a better chance. <laughs> Maybe you should get him in on here talking about the LRT. Maybe that would help. But correct, yes. I mean, he's not helping his own cause because I think he's kind of went ah, to hell with you. I don't care. He's a politician. Do whatever. Though. Do I don't care. But you know what's there was a documentary. What was the name of the Theron Flurry documentary? They interviewed Brian Sutter, Duke. you got Something your, about fire? fire. Playing with, with fire. Yeah, it's know, a good book. And the doc. Did you guys see the documentary too, though?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, read, I read his book
0: though. Holy man, like he goes back to the crack houses in Chicago when he was there. Yeah, he's like got when he was stories. When he was in Chicago, that was probably the lowest point I think when he was involved in everything. Might well, I mean he did a lot in New York was bad
2: too. Yeah, I think he was drinking with the homeless <laughs> in New yeah. York.
0: Well, that and going back to like they went back to the place where he was getting all his stuff from in Chicago. So, I mean, okay, so he's got that shouldn't take away from what he did on the ice. So. Ah, but that's just the way it is. That's who's voting. I mean, it's Brian. And the and Brian Sutter was asked, "Should Theron Fur- Flurry be in the Hall of Fame?" You know, and Brian Sutter was—I mean, as close to Theron Flurry as you could probably get. And Brian Sutter didn't have an exact answer. He didn't go yes, bang like that. Oh yeah. So,
2: I think it has a lot like Duke said on how strong your class of inductees might be.
0: Well, okay, like Theron Fleury's stats are right there. He's won a Stanley Cup, won an Olympic gold medal in two
3: thousand two. I think the biggest name that's on the out like is McGillney. Like how is he not in the hockey hall of fame? It's it's basically Russian bias is the only reason he is not in the Hall of Fame. And I don't mean like recent Russia things in terms of world uh, political issues. I mean like just the bias against Russian players as a whole, because you talk about the individual, statistic success, team success, international success. He has the res, like the most complete resume of somebody not yet in the Hall of Fame. Did Payment.
2: he not play long enough, though?
3: It, I mean, hey, but look, there's some other guys. Like, and this is like Paul Korea. He, he was one of the best players in the league during, uh, during a 1, stretch thousand of time. 30,
0: 1,032 points for McGillney.
3: Yeah. Like, he's a 1,000-point scorer. Correa doesn't have 1,000 points. He's like yeah. I He was a point-per-game player, but... Same thing, he didn't play as long as he probably should have due to injury.
0: Theron Fleury, four hundred and fifty-five goals, one thousand eighty eight points. So his numbers are better than McGillney's. He's the sixty seventh ranked player. Hey? Numbers don't lie. Sixty seventh ranked player in NHL scoring history. Anyone around if you look at that list, everyone is around everyone around him is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Every one of them. Henrik Sedin 69 He doesn't have a cup. Yeah, he does have a cup. Theron Fleury has a Stanley Cup 1989. Sedin. No, oh, Sedin. Yeah, Sedin yeah. didn't have a cup. Yeah. Theron Fleury has an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. I I mean, again, this is all off the ice. Sedin does too. It's good. all off the ice.
2: Yeah. 100%. So
0: That would be that could be a story that would uh we could do in or out again for like three hours on that Duke. Sean <laughs> Z says on our text line, one 833 1440 it's all politics. The Hall of Fame is about who you are friends with. Hockey politics started. p get worse every level. Sean Z. Well, he's not
2: wrong there. Probably do get worse at every level. <laughs> there
0: are politics. I don't even know where to go with this Duke. Anything you wanna you want we got about ten minutes here. You wanna who talk votes, a little who votes who vo- in the hall well, there's of a time. committee again. You have a committee, Lanny McDonald's on the committee, uh I think Al McInnes is on that committee. So it's former players. There used to be uh was that old guy in Toronto, I forget his name now. There were a lot of guys that were, you know, basically on the and then, then they decide you get a nomination. For years that was the thing, okay. Say like Claire Drake here. Yeah. For years. Guys would send in, uh, a, you know, a letter of uh, recommendation. Okay. Like Ken Hitchcock uh, sent in a letter of recommendation for Claire Drake. Dave King sent one in for Claire Drake. There were there were more guys around in the coaching fraternity that sent in for Claire Drake than you might send in for a player, because yeah. that's just because of who all these guys felt helped them to get where they were or where they are.
3: Right. Yeah, you, you need guys to vouch for you. Grant Fier said yesterday the Calgary Flames uh, organization in terms of their bid to get Vernon in this year asked Grant Fier to, to write a letter on his behalf and Grant said he was happy to. He went up against Mike his entire career from the the amateur level into junior hockey and in the NHL, of course. So Grant said, I mean, yeah, <laughs> the, the Battle of Alberta aside, he, he said it was about time Vernon got recognition for his accomplishments and uh, yeah, fears he wrote a, a letter to the Hall of Fame selection committee on Vernon's behalf. Lassie.
0: Here's one for you, and this is uh, in your era, Schlemmer. Okay. From Brad, I'm having an argument with my friend. Who is the better goaltender, Roberto Luongo or Henrik Lundqvist? Oh.
2: Ooh. That's a tough
0: one. Ooh.
2: I mean, That's Luongo was in his
0: prime a little earlier than Lundqvist, right? Yeah. Huh? Uh, okay, again, so Lundqvist never won a Stanley Cup. Loango never won a Stanley Cup.
3: Their their resumes are identical, eerily similar, identical. actually. Gold medal, mm-hmm. cup finals, but no win. Vesna trophies, I, I would believe. Bet, Jenning trophies for both of them.
0: I would bet Loango would be coming up here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think I don't again. Know. Well, I, there I played so many more goals. against
2: Lundqvist in Did his you? prime; like he was unbelievable when I played against him. Loango is a little bit older, maybe, but maybe I'm a little biased on that.
0: Well, and he's not a very handsome man, too, either, eh, (laughs) Lundquist? What
2: do they call that, a man rocket? (laughs) Uh,
0: Kenny goes, put in Pavel Datsuk, another one that's probably coming up in the next year. I think next
3: year is his first year of eligibility, I believe. And he uh, he will certainly be a first ballot.
2: He's so good. He was so good.
0: You know, those moves that he would make on the breakaway where you have to uh, do the reverse edge. Yeah. Like, that's just, I mean, to do, you talk about Connor McDavid's edge work and all these great players who have the ability to go. And, and you know, Dave, you were one of the uh, great skater in the NHL. But could you have done that move on a breakaway maybe where, you, and you know which one I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: The one he did on Turco there. Yeah, so it's. He stopped and kind of pulls it back. No, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> because it's almost like, who's that guy that went into the end boards, tried that and went into the end boards? I can't remember who that was now, but I'm not sure. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like to have the ability to make that cut, I guess as a left handed shot, you're a left handed shot too. So you're deciding to go on your inside edge going the opposite way of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. With With your right skate going the other way.
2: He had probably the strongest stick out of anyone I've ever played against. He's so good at stripping pucks, and you just couldn't get the puck off
0: of his stick. Why was that? Just because of just being hard on your stick, strong on lower body, or?
2: I think both, yeah. I mean, even Ulf Samuelson saying, he's like, Datsuk reminds me, I haven't seen anyone that hard on the puck since Mario Lemieux. Like, he Mm. could hold it, like, way out here and still be so hard on the puck, you know?
0: But way different size.
2: Yeah, He had the paddle, though, Datsuk. (laughs) Probably the ugliest blade in the league, but (laughs) it worked for
0: him. (laughs) Uh, Beachco texts in, is Phil Kessel a Hall of Famer? Oh, that's a tough one. American, again, helps, I think. He's got cups. He's got three
3: cups. He's got cups. He has... He's got the Ironman. Ironman streak. And very strong. He did not win the Conn Smythe that one year in Pittsburgh, but he... What like you can you can go back and look at actually how the votes shake out. I think he was the runner up mm-hmm. in terms close. of voting, and it was close. Like Crosby, obviously winning back to back is just adding to his resume. Who that's a topic right now after he had a hat trick last night. Like where does Crosby stack up all time? That's a whole other discussion. I th- I think because of Ke- like he just doesn't have the individual trophies, but when you have things like the Ironman streak, the team success, not much international success uh, for Phil, but. Yeah, I think I think he's a guy that will probably have to wait for. Like he won't be a first ballot, but when the right class comes, he'll be one standing on, on standby to, to take a spot. I think that's a good call.
0: There's so many guys that are, again, right so close. It's a tough decision now because the players going in now are way more, or even if you're on the fence, like if you're on the fence and close to going in, like there's some guys that were elected in the 50s, 60s, 70s that are like, come on i mean come, you know <laughs> yeah. they're great players they were great players but when yeah, you compare right. them to what the players are now that are being considered it's not even close
3: well look at what the uh, nfl is doing where now they each year they have these um like historical inductees uh, back from like like i said the game has changed so much so they they induct uh, you know a couple guys from a, a previous era yeah. as well as the the kind of modern inductee in class the
0: veteran the veteran that's interesting. So, uh, Oilers in action tonight. It looks as if uh, Adam Ernie will play because Connor Brown is not ready. So, um, it would be a, a line combination as such if uh, Derek Ryan stays up there on the third line. So, Derek Ryan would stay on that line with uh, McLeod and Fogel, like they were together in Vegas series last year in the playoffs. That means it would be Lavoie, Hamlin, and Adam Ernie uh, down below, and everything stays status quo up top, and that would be going from what was at practice yesterday to what we saw in the game on Monday night against the Islanders, and then with Holloway going down and the call ups, uh, I guess uh, from uh, Baco today. Uh, thoughts on the game quickly tonight? I mean, uh, we were saying at the top uh, at the start of the show. I mean, it's crazy to say this is a must win game, but you, I mean, you are going on the road four tough games, you know, coming up Tampa, Florida, Washington, and Carolina. This is a must-win game tonight.
2: Got to keep it rolling, right? <clears throat> Got to keep that momentum going here? Two's a fluke, three's a streak, baby. <laughs> 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 no, oh. I think I think it's huge, especially before going on a tough road trip out east. Yeah, mm-hmm. have a good full sixty-minute effort tonight and try to ride that high into the roadie.
0: And then, I, like that's a that's a trip. That's a week-long trip.
2: Yeah, no, that's a uh, that's trip. a good bonding trip for yeah. a Western and team. down one yeah, way yeah. down Southeast Coast. Be wearing shorts on your
0: day off in Florida. That's your kind of style. Walking down the A1A in Fort Lauderdale. That's your style. (laughs) That's your style. All right, Schlemmer, uh, hopefully you you feel a little better next uh, week. Uh, Thanks for playing Hurt today, just like the Duke. The two of you just, I it's amazing.
2: Got to battle some days, eh?
0: Some guys have the self-inflicted wounds. Some guys (laughs) don't. But it all adds up to Coming in. And I said to, to, what was your, okay, do you remember what your dad's line was? I, my dad said, if you want to dance, you got to pay the fiddler.
3: Mine, uh, my parents was, if you want to run with the wolves, you got to piss with the pups. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> All right. Good job today, Duke. Uh, Thanks again, Schlemmer. Every Wednesday, 9 to 11. And thanks to our guest today, Zach Daly from the uh, McEwen men's hockey team, the head coach, Mark Spector, David Amber, double barrels in the 8 o'clock hour from Sportsnet. Then we uh, checked in with uh, Kyle Chipchura, uh, former NHLer, and Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times as the Oilers get set for the Kraken tonight. Uh, Coming up at the top of the hour is Fantasy Frenzy with... Former Rosh Shep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn till 12 o'clock. That's when Al Mitchell takes over with the lowdown. Jason Greger takes us home from 2 to 6 with the Jason Greger show. Tomorrow, we will recap the Oilers' game against Seattle with our co-host Ladislav Schmid from 8 to 10. Thanks everybody for listening uh, this morning. Thanks for your input on the text line. Really appreciate you being a part of the show. Coming up at the top of the hour is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Have a great day.